This is the Anatomy of a Scream Pod Squad Network. And welcome back to White Ladies in Crisis. It's a podcast dedicated to white women losing their minds. We are talking about Hulu's candy, and we are up to episode four, the penultimate episode, Cover Girl. I am Joe Lipset, and I am joined, as always, by Gina Radcliffe. Hello. As well as Jen Adams. Hello. Okay, ladies. Betty is dead, and it is time to bring in Justin Timberlake. <laughs> I, I, I feel like I'm dreading this episode. <laughs> I feel like I feel like Jen and I are going to go into two lock horns over this. <laughs> I don't have strong feelings about Justin Timberlake. I think I still live in the Dick in the Box era ah. with him, and I have not really been following much else. So, yeah. Speaking that's of my... men to have an affair with, someone ah, who wears yeah. their dick in a box. <laughs> I mean, they made a list too, you know. There we go. So, Gina, I'm taking it from your tone that you are not the biggest fan of Deputy Steve Diffie. Well, it's more that I'm not a fan of the stunt casting because uh, mm-hmm. Jason mm-hmm. Ritter, who is who is married to Melanie Linsky, yep. also shows up, but uh-huh. has a, has a lot less to do. Yes, and, this is and, true. And, and I feel like, you know, like, here he is. Here's Justin Timberlake. He's, he's, he's got a funny looking mustache. Mm-hmm. And, and he's kind of a dum-dum. And now, you know, even though up to this point, the show has been you know, pretty tasteful and, and not lurid like a lot of other true crime shows, now it's going to get a little silly. Now we're going to mm-hmm. have like this, this you know, incompetent you, you police officer just touching things and, and you know, not really understanding what he's getting into. And then, you know, then he doesn't really have anything else to do for the remainder of the, of the series. And, and, and at that point, it's like, oh, okay, they cast him because they thought it would be funny for him to show up in it. And I'm like, eh, I don't well, know. That's interesting. I I find Deputy Dave, who is the larger guy who is on the scene, and he's the one who's touching a lot of things and contaminating evidence. I found him to be kind of oafish, but I didn't mind Diffie. I thought Justin Timberlake is doing okay. I mean, I've seen him in a bunch of other acting gigs, and I'm almost always surprised that he's got a decent amount of talent Mm -hmm. i definitely appreciate what you're saying though because this feels like the reason he is in this is because it's his wife is the Mm -hmm. executive producer and lead actress on the show right and i I thought it was i thought it was a little distracting and and i and i it is i didn't know that it was that it was necessary Mm -hmm. yeah i agree yeah i was trying to think if there is like something about him that would make him a good fit for this role other than like you said it's funny to see him in a mustache but like Mm -hmm. i feel like four episodes in i've gotten that out of my system and now i'm invested in the story you know and i think i believe he is from chattanooga so like i could see the whole southern thing like Mm -hmm. he would have a believable accent i did enjoy his accent but other than that and like no the only reason he got cast in this was because of her is this like kind of a bid for more acting roles Mm -hmm. then yeah it just starts you down this whole train of thinking you know yeah it's hard to because again i i think he's actually doing okay Mm-hmm. But it's rough when we spent a bunch of time on the series with Handy and Betty, 
obviously Betty is dead in this episode, so we get zero Melanie Linsky, which is strike one. But it's also a lot of Justin Timberlake. Like, Mm -hmm. we're watching Candy Spiral over every new piece of evidence that people are finding. And, you know, every haughty housewife is calling her, you know, ooh, they found a fingerprint. Ooh, they found a footprint. Ooh, (laughs) blah, blah, blah. And Candy's just, like, basically cutting up flip-flops in the garage. Mm Mm-hmm. But it's also a lot of Justin Timberlake going about his interviews and talking to people. And part of me is like, okay, but I didn't sign on for the Justin Timberlake show. Right, 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 right. Yeah, you got, you've got it. Yeah. <laughs> the one thing I do like about it, though, and I do like Jason Ritter a lot. Mm-hmm. I love the husbands being the accessories to this like yes. female run production. That's, See, that's that's a good point. That's a good yeah. point. In theory, I like it, and I like Jason Ritter. Like mm-hmm. that was a nice little bonus for me. But he he looked like he fit into this world more. Also, yeah, I take what you're saying, Gino. That I think if Justin Timberlake had been cast in that Deputy Dave, where he's a bit of an oaf, but he's only really in one or two scenes, kind of like Jason Ritter's Deputy Reese. Like, if both of these husbands had their nepotism, but it was just one or two scenes, and then we had a proper kind of character actor in this lead investigative role, I do think it would have been less distracting. Yes, yes, exactly, exactly. Okay, so let's talk about how Candy is faring, since really she's the last woman standing, (laughs) and I would argue that she's holding things slightly better together than we saw in episode one, where she just keeps repeating her alibi to everybody, even (laughs) when they don't care, Mm. but she is definitely spiraling heavily in this episode. Yeah, well, she's had a lifetime of holding her emotions in. So she's, you know, pretty good at keeping, making sure the surface appearance looks good. Mm-hmm. There are some big cracks in her story. Like the bruise on her foot. Like, Ooh. She, like the story has the beats of truth, but mm-hmm. any scratching under the surface is completely unrivals. Also, like cutting up the, like I've never murdered anyone, but like I like to <laughs> so think. So you say. <laughs> so I say, yes. For the record, like I like to think that I would have a little more sense to like put that those flip-flops in a trash bag. Like uh-huh. she's just smoking and cutting. I did like her like little stress cigarette in the garage, but uh-huh. I like the way it was shot. I like mm-hmm. the sort of low angle so that we looked like we were in the trash can. But then I was like, she's not going to light this on fire. She's just going to leave the evidence chopped up. That does nothing. She didn't even close the trash can all the way. And the second <laughs> anyone else looks in that trash can, they know what happened. Mm-hmm. Which was a moment that I did like in this episode when I keep wanting to call him Jonah. When Pat. <laughs> it is Pat. <laughs> When Pat opens the trash can and you can see the look on his face, he's mm-hmm. like, oh, shit. Oh, he knows. Pat yeah. knows. Which makes me wonder, because we talked a lot in our last episode about whether she wants to get caught. And I don't think mm-hmm. she wants to get caught for murder, but Not she, anymore, it's no. just like she's in this like kind of flagrant like mindset where she hadn't been hiding any of this well and now people are actually paying attention and she doesn't know how to cover her tracks you know yeah were you too surprised when alan gets uh interrogated and he admits that betty had an affair but he doesn't come clean about his own I was not surprised, but I was very angry. <laughs> yeah, I'd like you know, you know, Alan. I, I I wanted to be not on your side, but you know, I I didn't want to paint you as as a villain. 
Mm-hmm. But you're making it real hard, man. You're making it real hard. Oh, yeah. In my notes, I had in caps, how the fuck do you have two kids and not know how to change a fucking diaper? And then, like, days after, like, when they are in his house and the baby starts crying, he's looking at the women like, aren't you going to go change that baby? I wanted to kill him myself in this Mm -hmm. episode. He really reverts to kind of stereotypical man of the Uh times, right? Like, he doesn't know how to do domestic labor, But also, as we talked about off air before we began recording, Gina, we've also got a new lady. Well, not she's not new to the series, but she's she's stepping up in a big way. One more one more insult to poor now dead Betty. Uh And Betty's child. I'm pretty sure I'm pretty sure that this character, Elaine, Mm -hmm. uh, if memory serves, was part of that little circle that like Mm -hmm. yes. when Betty tried to approach them at the church, they're just like, mm-hmm. eh, no, that's all right. Mm-hmm. And now, like, like literally, the, the course probably is not even cold. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and Elaine is like, making her pork chops. No. Mm-hmm. God, man has to have someone to take care of him. And, and... No. I know you don't know how to do anything for yourself, so I'll just do it all. Right. And it's like, okay, so again, looking at in terms of how low were women's standards, back then like i don't i don't understand how her first thought in all of this is hmm well that means alan's a widow a widower now so you know maybe it's my time to shine it's like okay so you know this guy who probably you know for the time probably a pretty decent job Mm -hmm. but you know his house isn't much to look at he's stuck with you know a seven-year-old and an infant Mm-hmm. That you are now going to have to be in full charge of, like mm-hmm. why? You know, why would she look at this as you know? Well, this is a great prospect for me. The most beautiful penis you've ever seen. That's what I was say. <laughs> if she were the friend that got that bit of information, it would have made a little. More it would have made more sense for it's sure. It's just so weird because it's not like he's like this wealthy industrialist who you know you know tragically lost his wife. But mm-hmm. she's just like moving right in on him, and he lets her. Like yeah. he, like yes. like he looks, you know, kind of mildly, like you know, seriously, you know. I mean, mm-hmm. she, were you, were you Betty's friend? But then when she starts serving up those dinners, like, well, all right, and you know, at least at least I don't, at least I don't have to do this by myself. I very much got the impression, yeah, that he he was just kind of like, I'm overwhelmed. So if somebody wants to step in and help me out, I will take it. But yeah. as an aside, just in case people are screaming at us right now because we are not appreciating what Pablo Shriver looks like, we're talking about personality three looks 10, but yeah. <laughs> we are focusing on the personality. Yes, yes. Yeah, and the whole <laughs> it's the whole aura, you know, and I think. I think it's more that he's a fixer-upper for her, you know? Yeah, he's a project. Exactly. And that is a way for women in this world to get praise and to be seen as successful is if you can take this man who's lost everything and you can turn him around, then, oh, you must be such a wonderful woman. Yeah, I'm sure she looks at it, Elaine looks at it as this this selfless act to, you know, Mm -hmm. essentially move into this guy's house and, Mm -hmm. and start taking care of him and his kids. She's just being a good neighbor. Oh my God. <laughs> She's got a casserole and everything. But like the way she talks to his daughter also, like mm-hmm. giving her just a tiny bit of food and like you thank me later. I was very happy with the daughter who was like this Okay. So Christina is clearly the MVP of this episode, right? Like uh-huh. let's praise this child actor. Mm-hmm. 
Antonella Rose is doing such great work here, right? Because Mm -hmm. we have to see her when she gets picked up and she hasn't learned that her mom is dead yet. And Mm. then we have to see her consoling grandma and being like, it'll be okay, grandma. And then, you know, she just has her, her big kind of temper tantrum moment when... They're like, okay, you can't wear that dress. You need to wear black because it's a funeral. And she just, you know, absolutely melts down. I was just like, this is really realistic. And this child mm-hmm. actress is great. Well, it's, it, you know, one of the, one of the, the you know, glaring issues here. And, and again, as the resident old of the, of the podcast, I, I hate to keep bringing <laughs> up how accurate this is to the time, mm-hmm. is nobody's particularly concerned about her. Like, everybody is fussing over Alan, you know, nobody seems to be particularly concerned about Betty at this point, because I guess the idea is, well, yeah, well, she's dead now, so who cares? Yeah, she's fucking gone, so nobody cares. Right. Wow. You know, you know, Betty's parents are too busy being angry at Alan and being like, well, this is Mm -hmm. your fault, but it's, it is his fault, but not the reason they think it is. Right. They, they, they think it is because, oh, well, you, you took our daughter away from us and look what happened. But mm-hmm. they don't even know about the affair, so they're they're right, but they're wrong at the same time. Uh, no, I think they they do know about the affair because he called to make sure that they knew before they heard it, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, I thought they had already you know, kind of did their little, you know, we knew this was going to happen. You were never good enough for her, et cetera, et cetera. Oh, I mean, it's pretty clear that they didn't think very highly of him before, but yeah, they definitely think less of him now. But I, I think all of your points still remain absolutely right, but, true. But you know, they they can't you know pull it together to to no. They don't care about their daughter. They care about tearing this man down. You're right. like, they, that they, is they, not they what's important. They can't you know provide a you know a strong united front to get this poor mm-hmm. kid through the fact that that her mother was horrifically murdered. Yes. And it, it's just, you know, off their own asses with their own pain and their own, you mm-hmm. know, you know, need to blame everything on someone else. And, you know, this kid gets neglected. Yeah. yeah. The moment where uh, Candy's daughter steps in and walks down the aisle with her at the funeral, I mm. teared up a little bit at that moment. Like, so cute. Oh, no. You know, Alan His has like kids, one right? moment with, mm. Alan has like one moment with her uh-huh. where, they, yeah. where they cry together and then that's it. He is done. Well, and to a certain extent, like he has lost his wife. I could understand him being a little detached, but we haven't seen him really invested in the child rearing in the same way that Pat is. Like one thing that I do really like about Pat is aside from the whole Sunday thing where he just (laughs) like last minute took back that offer to make him like he does seem pretty involved in his kids. Yeah, he's a good, he's a good, he's a good father. He's an involved Mm -hmm. father. And like I said, Mm -hmm. out of, of, you know, out of, if if you're going to make a chart of, you know, who's the most innocent in this whole situation, you know, Pat's going to rank right, you know, going to rank right below Betty. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, his biggest sin was just being a typical man of the era. Uh Right. Kind of oblivious. Right. Where, you know, oh, well, the cooking and the cleaning, that's ladies work. You know, Mm -hmm. and and I don't even think he even thinks that as, as, you know, that he's being a chauvinist. That's just how it is. Right. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I, I think that, you know, he and Betty are relatively innocent in all this. Mm-hmm. Well, let's take a moment to talk a bit more about Pat because he gets some interesting developments. Like, not only does he begin to suspect that Candy is not being entirely forthcoming, we see in the flash forwards to him on the stand, he almost seems to be covering for her, no? Mm. 
Yeah, and he says, like, he blames himself for the affair, Mm -hmm. which I thought was pretty insightful. Like, I don't think it's his fault, but he's not blameless in what was happening with their marriage, you know? And just the look on his face when she walks in and he's got those flowers and the card is next to him, it just, my heart really went out to him in that moment, you know? I think he really wants to keep his family together, you know? Mm -hmm. One of my favorite scenes in this episode is when Alan comes over to pick up Christina, who has been staying at Candy and Pat's house. And he hasn't told her, but he gives her like this big hug. And you just see Candy lean in and hug Alan and Christina. And you just see Pat's face with this look of realization. Like at this point, he's he's beginning to discover proof of her affair, right? Mm-hmm. He has discovered the card from Alan So he knows the jig is up, and yet Mm -hmm. he has to watch Candy fawn over this widower, but he says nothing. It's it's a really interesting moment. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, it you know I I think that Alan and Candy both kind of assumed that not that they thought that their spouses were dumb, but that you know well they're not they're not going to know. And, mm-hmm. and, and it turns out that you, you can kind of tell these things. <laughs> mm-hmm. Surprisingly enough, you've been really emotionally distant. Right. Are you having you an affair? Read, you can read <laughs> body language. You can read, right. like, the, the way she was hugging them was very much, this is my family. This mm-hmm. is like, this is how I would hug my, my husband and my child. Yes. You know, you know it's, it's very, like, I don't even, I, 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 I have a verse using the word intimate. Mm-hmm. you know involving you know a moment with a child but there's a certain sort of you know you know oh this is my little family now yeah. where you know, it, it it feels weird like if if, if candy was single she would have just been in the elaine role i think where, where right yes you know, it would have been her moving, it would have been her moving in on alan mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah and i think that's what pat is seeing he's like oh she is filling this role because now there's a void and somebody is going to need to step in because that's the way this world works. And it's like, I, I was really fascinated by watching how like paranoid he was that someone was going to break in and murder his wife, you know? And mm-hmm. it's it's slightly like amusing when you know that Candy is the one that actually killed her. But it's like yeah. this realization of like, oh, I have a lot of really great, things in my life and it could all be taken away in mm-hmm. a second and he doesn't the sad thing is he doesn't realize that most of it's already gone right but, and he's just now realizing how much he has like that the scene where they give him the father's day cards that yeah. was one of my favorite moments and it reminded me of the scene in the last episode where betty and alan like finally start to really connect with each other it's like mm-hmm. Candy and Pat both really see what they have and it's, it's already just, too late exactly it's too late yeah yeah i do love the sort of gendered response that we get to the murder where everyone is hyperbolic about oh my god there's a killer on the loose everybody lock your doors you know basically lock up your children and wives because there's a Mm -hmm. madman on the loose and of course it's candy here with her fucking atrocious perm and giant glasses (laughs) making casseroles for people Mm -hmm. but then also we have Every gossipy detail splashed across the front page of the newspaper and Candy's friends are calling her every 20 minutes with updates about the case that they've heard through the gossip mill. And you're just like, I think, Gina, this speaks to what you said. People don't even give a shit about Betty. It's not like, oh, no, we've lost a member of our community. It's, 
ooh, something new to gossip about. Mm. Right, and I don't think it's anything, you know, we didn't like her anyway. I think it's just, well, she's dead now, so it doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. Right. It's performative, yeah. She's become a source of entertainment now. Oh, yeah, this Mm -hmm. this is the most exciting thing that's happened in that town, possibly ever. Oh, Oh, yeah. God. Mm -hmm. Well, (laughs) until what happens next, I guess. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, they're going to have a lot to talk about then. I think that's actually what you, what you said, Joe, about how sort of treating it like gossip. I mean, I think, I don't know if this was intentional, but mm-hmm. it does sort of feel like it is kind of illustrating how we treat true crime today with the, right. you know, we tend to take out the actual people that are involved in this mm-hmm. and, and treat it like, you know, we're talking about a TV, a TV show we saw, you know, like, yeah. like. You know, we're recounting all the gruesome details and, and, you know, having these little, you know, giddy discussions and, and you know, don't really take into account, okay, these are real people who, mm-hmm. you know, had people who love them. It's sort of how, how we treat, you know, true crime as a source of entertainment now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was thinking that when I watched Alan watch the news and hear, like, because it's the first time I think we've heard that she was struck 41 times with an axe. And just to know, I mean, I don't think that that's necessarily salacious. I don't know. I could, I could make an argument about whether or not that is appropriate for this newscaster. But, but just the fact that he is hearing that, that his wife is a real person to him, that that's not Mm -hmm. like some, like, you know some thrilling element of the story it's like he is processing that you know and the fact that he has to tell his in-laws that he had an affair like if candy wasn't the murderer like he never would have had to tell them like he's got to do this because he knows it's going to come out and he Mm -hmm. knows everybody is going to know every detail of his life now yes and his daughter is going to have to grow up in this also you know yeah I mean, I made a joke that there's no Melanie Linsky in this episode points off, but <laughs> it does speak to that importance, right? Like there's no reminders of her. Betty isn't even in the show anymore. She's just a body. Mm-hmm. And I think that's why that moment where uh, Candy, I can't remember if it was right before the funeral, but there's this absolutely gorgeous shot where we see candy's reflection in an image and when she steps away it's betty's face and i think it's like a like a childhood photo of betty yeah, i think it was like it's was, it was supposed to be like her high school portrait or something like that mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but that's the only visage of betty that we see this entire episode and it's like yeah this this is what true crime is right it's all the sensational stuff it's all the gory details 41 axe strikes and people Mm -hmm. gathering around the funeral to be performative about oh this poor person Mm -hmm. and meanwhile there's still a real human being that has been lost there's still families who have been destroyed and i i love jen that you brought up that these people are only now realizing what they had but it's already gone they just don't even know it yet Mm -hmm. it's so powerful And I think, like, I talked a lot in our first episode about my issues with true crime, and I think, like, this show is doing a really good job of showing us that, because we wouldn't feel that loss if she hadn't been a presence in the show already, you know? If they hadn't made her a real character, Mm -hmm. we would just be, like, kind of in the salacious gossip element, too, you know? Yeah. Now, with that said those 41 blows so we we kind of end the episode with pat trying to recreate 
that count because mm-hmm. he suspects his wife is the killer, but mm-hmm. he can't quite bring himself to to reconcile that fact. Mm-hmm. So he tries to recreate the number of blows and you just see him sweating and struggling to make it to 41. And I mm-hmm. fucking love this scene. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. It's great. Yeah. Like he's, yeah. he's, you know, yeah. Yeah. I, I actually, you know, I think this is the, the point where you really start to feel for Pat mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's like, you know, this isn't possible. This can't be possible. And yet, you know, my gut keeps telling me otherwise. Yeah. Right. He's chopping out some feelings, also. Oh yeah, that's, <laughs> that's very like yeah. man processing thing. It always makes me think of the the father and the witch who just goes outside and like just chops wood forever instead of like <laughs> dealing with his family. <laughs> I gotta get it out somehow, and I couldn't exactly. possibly speak to anyone about it. Right? Yeah, yeah. But it, you do see him like realize what his wife has actually done and that's another like moment like we hear something like 41 blows with an axe but to actually make your body go through that you Mm -hmm. know and put yourself in the shoes I think really it's striking you know and you know no pun intended (laughs) (laughs) you know it just it's one of those moments that makes it real right well yeah Yeah. you have to you have to ask yourself it's like okay how angry must a person be to be able to do Mm -hmm. that Losing absolute control. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And if somebody as big as Pat, and I mean, I don't think he's in terrible shape, but you know, Candy is in good shape as we saw in the volleyball scene, but like Mm -hmm. she's still a pretty petite woman, you know? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. It's such a great scene for telling us about what Pat is feeling, advancing the idea that he suspects his wife, but also just showing us what does it physically take to do this? Holy Mm -hmm. shit, what must Candy have been going through? Right, and it's that, like, in the last episode, too, we were talking about there's no passion in the affair, Mm -hmm. but, like, there's passion here, and I can, you can see the wheels in Pat's mind turning, like, what, like, she never cares about anything in our lives this much. Like, where has this passion been? Mm -hmm. Yeah, apparently she's passionate about murder. (laughs) Right, right. Speaking of bodies and physique, I would be remiss if we didn't speak (laughs) about the return of Raul Esparza as Don. So we definitely clocked him wrong. He is not related to the church. Still not sure why he made the announcement about Pastor Jackie. But no, he is a defense attorney. He ends up representing Candy. But I have to say, seeing him suntanning in his office (laughs) was chef's kiss perfect. Mm. And the escalation from that, from the sit-ups to that, too, it's just, it tells you so much about this character. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm-hmm. I was just like, oh, gosh, the skin cancer. Oh, my goodness. Oh, God, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Gina, for some reason now, when I see him, I think of you because I'm just like, (laughs) wow, Gina must be getting so much Raul between this and your Hannibal rewatch. Yeah, I'm getting maximum Raul Esparza content here. And honestly, I love that for you. (laughs) Who is he playing in the show? He plays... um... He's Chilton. Uh, Oh. He's fantastic. He's so smarmy. Delicious. I'm going to have to watch. Yeah, he's smarmy. He's smarmy here too, but in a different way. He is. He's likable smarmy in this role. Like, he's he's got a, a wink behind the eyes, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's likable because he's on our side right now, too, you know? Like, I don't know how much I would like him 
if he were the other, the like opposing counsel or something. But yeah, it's mm. very much like Candy's one of ours. You know, we're there's no way she could have done this. She's on our team. You know, and I mean, it, clearly they're friends because they go to church together. So. Okay, so I'm I'm fascinated by that. And let's maybe think about closing out with this conversation because I was wondering, how are we meant to feel about Candy in this episode? Because we know that she's guilty. We see her doing all of these terrible things. We even take note of her reaction when she has to drop food off in the fridge and she has to, you know, reimagine what she did to poor Betty in that space. Mm-hmm. And I found myself really confused like i like candy but i know that she's guilty as sin mm-hmm. yeah i think it's just such a tragedy i think that's the overwhelming feeling that i have is like there were so many ways she could have prevented this you know she clearly is not happy betty found a way to make her life at least a little bit better and because Candy just went this opposite direction. Like, she's done this thing she can't take back now, Mm -hmm. you know? I felt really, bad, like, stressed for her. She knows she's going to get caught. She knows it's a matter of time. I think that's why she finally, like, is able to to have, like, some really brief sex with Pat. But it's like, (laughs) you know, I think she's realizing what she had all this time as well, you know? Right. And it's just so sad. It's it's kind of more of a you know why why didn't I just why didn't I just stick with what I had and be happy with it even if it it wasn't entirely what I wanted or you know I didn't think I wanted. I I think it's I I one of the reasons why I thought this was such a well done show is that because they they don't paint everything in black and white. Right. Like now when I say that. Betty is a complicated character. I don't mean to imply that she deserved what happened to her. She absolutely does mm-hmm. not. But mm-hmm. the the series does take a little bit of time getting to know her. And right. that, mm-hmm. that she is, you know, a difficult person. You know, mm-hmm. she, she you know, is trapped. If you want to say air quotes trapped, because I don't know if anybody is 100% trapped. In a, unless there's physical abuse happening, I don't mm-hmm. know if anybody is 100%, truly 100% trapped in a marriage. Mm-hmm. But, you know, they feel trapped. You know, she's dealing with some sort of emotional problems, whether it's postpartum depression or just general overall depression Mm -hmm. that she is either refusing to address or believes that she she can't. That this is her, you know, this is her burden that she must live with. Right. Mm -hmm. You know, I think a lot of, you know, other approaches to it would kind of make her this sort of cipher that we don't really know. She's just, you know, the capital V victim. Right. Where, yeah. you know, be- because of the first few episodes, we do take a little bit of time and not even so much getting to know her, you know, from Candy's perspective, from Alan's perspective, from her own perspective, because we do spend some time with her by herself. And, and, mm-hmm. and with Candy, you know, you can see why people would like her. You can yeah. see what you can see why people would have a hard time buying that she was capable of such a thing. Mm-hmm. Does it feel you know in retrospect? Does it feel a little phony? Yeah, it feels a little phony, but but sure. but but so does a lot of women. You know, even today online are you know very much this like super mom. You know, mm-hmm. who are constantly running their kids from you know one you know sports practice to one you. Know, a musical instrument lesson to another and talk about how they, they don't have any time for themselves, but they just love it so much. And, you know, yeah, mm-hmm. you're full, you're full of shit. No, nobody, uh-huh. nobody loves being that, you know, spread thin at all times and not having a minute for anything having to do with themselves. Nobody loves that. Stop it. Yeah. 
So, yeah, you can see that there's this is a lot of this is a facade, but she's still a likable person. And, and, mm-hmm. and, you know, again, like with Betty, they could have just made her the sort of personality free victim. They could have made Betty into this sort of, you know, ogre who moves in and tries to steal another woman's man. I don't know if she was trying to, you know, to steal Alan mm-hmm. from Betty. You know, I think yeah. in, a, in a perfect situation, you know, they would have, they could have kept this thing going and still been able to go home to their spouses at the, at the end of the day. Yeah. Well, and it's interesting, like, she is much more sympathetic than I was expecting. I was expecting her to be, like, the deadly woman, you know. Right, 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 right. You know? And, like, so at the end of the episode, the uh, lawyer's like, oh, it's a self-defense case. And, like, to be honest, we still haven't seen what happened. Like, that could be true. I don't think it is, but there's part of me that's like, well, maybe maybe it was self-defense. And... But I don't really want it to be. Like, I feel like she's the one that's in the wrong. And it could be because she has transgressed with the affair and that kind of casts her as the villain, even though she is a an understandable villain. But I'm interested to see, like, what actually happened, you know? Mm-hmm. Well, I think that's a, a good segue into our thoughts on where this final episode is going to go. Because, of course, we only have one episode left. Mm. Sorry, Gina, we're still cutting you out of this. <laughs> so, Jen, what do you think we'll get in that final episode? Is it just going to be the reveal of what actually went down between the two women? Well, I hope somebody yells you can't handle the truth because I have a, <laughs> a good courtroom uh, scene. But I think I think it's mostly going to be the trial and okay. the scene and then maybe I would like a little bit of the aftermath you know I want to I want to see them trying to pull their lives back together after this but like I still have no clue what's going to happen I don't I know that this like I could easily google and find out what happened mm-hmm. but I don't know if she's going to be found guilty or innocent I suspect she's going to be found guilty but right but I don't know yeah, I'm I'm interested to see if we're going to have any recreations of mm. what this is going to look like. Because that's, as I mentioned in the first episode, one of the things that I like the least about true crime. I don't want to see reenactments of mm. real people's murders. Mm-hmm. So I'll be curious to see whether we, we continue to make this morally ambiguous or like not black and white where what truly went down. Is it just going to be we're going to get Candy's version of this and it's we're not going to be able to know whether she's telling the truth. I'm I'm very curious to see how the show will walk this line without dipping into either exploitation or trying to put a pin in things and say, well, now you know the story of Candy. You know, that's a really good point, because in reality, in the actual story, we will never know what actually happened because all we are getting is candy. So Mm -hmm. if they do do a reenactment of this crime, they are in effect choosing a side because they're either choosing to believe Candy's story or they're choosing not to, you know. Mm -hmm. So I'm really curious to see what they do. If I had to predict, I would say they'll probably... If they do any kind of reenactment, it'll be as Candy narrates it on the stand so that it is very clear that this is her story and mm-hmm. not like we smuggled a camera into this crime scene, you know? Oh, God. Because <laughs> there's no way, like, we will never know what actually happened. Right, right, mm-hmm. right. Yeah. Okay. 
Well, we will find out when we come back next week for the dramatic conclusion of Hulu's <laughs> Candy. But, um, Jen, if people want to speculate with you because they also have not looked up how the case <laughs> ends, how would they get a hold of you? Well, we can have ourselves a little Google party. Um, you can find me at Jim Ferratu on Twitter and Instagram. And you can find me hosting the Losers Club podcast, which is all about Stephen King and the Psychoanalysis podcast, which is about horror movies and mental health. Okay. And Gina, as our resident old, how would people get in touch with you if they <laughs> want to talk about the end because they already watched it? I, I, you can reach me at the Shady Pines Rest Home, uh, <laughs> one seven five. Now, uh, I am the co-host of the Kill by Kill podcast, podcast which we talk about horror movies, focusing on the characters and odd little details. Uh, I am also a writer at thespool.net. Uh, if you want to kind of spoil yourself on this, you can read my review of Candy there, which went up when it originally aired back in May, I believe. Mm -hmm. uh, and I am on Twitter under Gina Does Things. Excellent. And if people are looking for a little bit more of me, you can listen to a new episode of Horror Queers every Wednesday. And I can be reached at the store my remote, and that's the letter B. Thanks, as always, to the Anatomy of a Scream Pod Squad Network for hosting the show. Be sure to give a listen to other pods, such as Good For Her and Bodies of Horror and The Ultra Tapes. And yes, we will be back to wrap up Candy next week. But uh, until then, light the flip-flops on fire if you're going to <laughs> cut them up and throw them in the garbage. Totally. Or at least close the trash can. Right. Like, yes. just tie it up and leave it out of the curb at the bare minimum, Candy. I know. So many ways to destroy evidence. Honestly, she clearly <laughs> enjoys murdering, but she's kind of terrible at covering it up. <laughs> right. Scream Pod Squad.